Welcome to the Dick and Ham Show. Welcome to Sam and Hugh and Andrew coming in live from Melbourne, lockdown Melbourne. I'm coming in from Oslo as always. The Dick and Ham Show this week's brought to you by Snake Gun 2. It's also brought to you by Dialer Dino's Pizza. One uh, three hundred Dino's. Okay, so all of our sponsors are defunct. No, no, Dialer Dino's still a thing. It's just gone underground. But if you know who to call, you can still get it. Just don't ask for Dino because they've heard that joke. They, they really fax, have. Fax of Dino's. How many people would have called them and were like, oh, can I speak to Dino? Is Dino going to be driving the car? <laughs> yeah, it would have been a popular prank call back in the day, I'm sure. It would have been. Did you guys ever order a pizza for the neighbours and then watch it arrive and watch the person have to deal with the pizza that they didn't order? For the neighbours, but I sent a number to your house once upon a time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Is that who that was? <laughs> that reminds me of two things. Firstly, the uh, the famous porno heist where we found a, a two-meter stack of penthouse magazines after we'd been out at Silver's one night. All the same copy. Uh, yeah, one one copy. What did we do with them, Hugh? I believe we drove around to the house of everyone that we knew and just dropped them in their letterbox. That's right. We did. So many. I did something similar. When the, when the Rivoli Cinema closed, I was working there for the last shift when it was still two screens. Uh, Tim Wood was possibly working there too. And... We knew that we obviously knew it was closing, so we did two things. One, we threw open the bar because it had a bar, and we just started drinking everything we could, or just giving away booze, which you probably couldn't get away with now. And in the week leading up to the closure, we made way too many choc tops. So I had a garbage bag, like one of those black garbage bags full of choc tops that I like slung over my shoulder and took home. And me and my dad tried to eat them, like we just tried to get through them. And after a month, we hadn't even made a dent in it. So I, I did the same thing. I drove around delivering them onto people's doorsteps. Like in the middle of the night. Like one of those people? Oh, she might have been. So a bunch of people just woke up and there's just like a melted, smashed Rivoli Cinema's ice cream on their doorstep just inexplicably. Yeah. They're like, is this, is this a threat? Someone's sending us a message. Speaking of messages, I've got, I've got some mailbag. Do you want to hear it? Oh, of course get, I do. Get, get your mailbag out on show now. Well, no, nothing from Trent the Rat. Oh, there's one from a friend of ours, and there's one from, from a complete random. I'll read the other one first. Subject. Complete random, as in unknown person to the unknown. group. Unknown. I don't know who it is. Holy shit. We've made it, guys. We've made it. Subject line, numbers. <laughs> oh, shit. Is it a newly created Gmail account or no, something? No, no, that's the real thing. Okay, I'll read it out. Robo65783. <laughs> <laughs> it goes like this. Dear sirs. I am a professor in applied mathematics. I also love the Ham Dick Show. It's got it backwards, but, you know, close enough. Doesn't matter. Robot, last, robot. Week, last week, it was most pleasing to hear one of the hosts explain, albeit in a rudimentary manner, the so-called rules of blackjack. I was so oh, happy. This is a setup. This is a setup. <laughs> this is a setup. Look, he's got something to say, this guy. We should hear him out. I was so pleased to hear it explained in simple terms that I recorded it on a dictaphone and then played the segment to my students. As someone who's dedicated his life to probability, fractions, pi, and long division, I can confirm that the gentleman, David, was correct in his assertion of the optimal ways to optimize blackjack win probability. He appears to have full control over which move to make in every situation. He deserved more respect than he received from his fellow hosts. Other than that, I think the show's excellent. Your fan... Professor Jorge Castillo Fernandez from Nationale Universidad of Peru. <laughs> did you look into Did you look into Fernando or whatever his name? No, I didn't need yeah, to. He he, he, um, he blew all his money on an ill-fated um, 
you know, a mobile game venture several years ago. I think he called it <laughs> Python Firearm or something. I can't, I can't recall. DOS. Python Firearm <laughs> DOS. Look, it's great to know we've got fans in Peru. That's that's all I say. Good, good on him for writing in. Thank Jorge. One of his specialties is long division. Did that give it away? Long division. I tried yeah. to <laughs> I put in a few no, really was... shit maths terms. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Can any of you do long division? You know, it takes a professor. Sam and I cannot. Sam and I cannot. cannot. Amazingly, once uh, you get to, you know, sort of grade two-ish, you start to to play around with that shit again, unfortunately. I I wonder if anyone's doing homeschooling long division and just having nightmares, like recurring nightmares about shit that they thought they'd never need to know again. Probably. I I never knew in the first place, so I cut out the middleman. Jokes jokes on them. Jokes on the virus Uh, and the lockdown. Suckers. (laughs) And your kids who won't know how to do long division because you're their teacher. Oh, no, they're damaged already. Yeah, no, they've got problems. Uh, there, there is another one that's from Captain Cammy Forbes. It's long. Is it incendiary? <laughs> to the layperson, <laughs> Captain Captain Cammy Forbes sounds like just such a bullshit pseudonym as, as the last Colonel Sanchez or whatever his name was. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Colonel Sanchez is a great name, just by the by. The by. Uh, no, so Cammy's letter is long. Uh, and look, I know we have a lot of time, but I think I'll just give you the highlights. Long-time listener, first-time mailer, very good. He thinks it's good. That's great. Thank you, Cammy. He wants to know about positive things you're getting out of lockdown life. Well, I guess he's got something positive that he's getting in lockdown life. Hey. <laughs> uh, so I believe. So that, uh, maybe that's why he set it up. Maybe there's a setup. He's hoping we'd go there. I don't know. Might have been a uh, setup. But he also said. He also said brackets. Maybe that's not funny though. He's sort of he's sort of doubting his own suggestions a little bit here. Your first, enough, your first favourite footballer. That's a good one. Paul oh, Vanderhaar. Yeah, Vanderhaar. He actually remembered you saying Vanderhaar Ranch. He already knew the answers to that one, so he's he's paying attention. I'm sorry, I didn't. I'm sorry, I didn't make it entertaining enough for you to answer there, Kimmy. Really fucked up that whole segment there, didn't I? He's got. Um, he's got more though, surely. Well, yeah, he does. He wants to get into like geopolitics, which is not really the domain of this podcast. Chick TikTok and Huawei spyware. China in the South Sea, squashing the people of Hong oh, Kong, Jesus. Indian border p- p- disputes. Yeah, Cammy, this is the wrong podcast for that. This is you want us to break down Kashmir? What, what is it? <laughs> Mind you, you know why? It's because of um, Boots and my hard-hitting segment last week on uh, international tax law. That's why. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's mistaken the tone of this for something more serious. We could get into China and the China territorial ambitions in the South China Sea. I can't see why we can't have a laugh about that. It's true. That 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 segment actually caught fire during the week. There's a lot of chatter on the interwebs about that one. Yep, on the Twitter. And we were workshopping a name for that segment just to, to keep it going, do you recall, Sam? I think we were gonna call it Two Cocks Talk Dosh. <laughs> With Sam and the boot camp. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I, I think we just get, keep running through. There's a lot more stuff about Trump, which you know, not really what we're going for. But then appreciate the suggestion there. Quarantine hotels. How would you feel if you're one of the security guards? Yeah. Okay. I guess there is an angle on that. Uh, there's one that we've already talked about. It's good to see a prime minister and premier and people working together for a change. Yes, good camp. This is an interesting one. To, to round it off, he's got one that I think is interesting. Is there any other sport in the world that tinkers with its rules as much as the AFL does? Do they need to? question mark hot topic the nfl does a little bit but it's more not not to the like it doesn't happen in season as much like in the in the afl season this year that um a whole range of rules just seem to have been completely 
interpreted in an entirely different way, um, including holding the ball. But um, yeah, look, Cammy, th- thanks for the long email there, Cammy. Um, yeah, the NFL will a little bit, but it's usually off season and then it will just be a new interpretation going forward. What about anyone else? Well, question back at you, Cammy. Do the rules of dragon dancing change mid tournament or or does it normally, do you wait till the end of Chinese New Year? Or I'd actually seriously like to know the answer to that. Yeah. Like if you're the third man, I don't know, like can you switch with the fifth man or can you move up to the head or is that only for the captain or I don't know, I need answers. What are the stick holding rules? I, I'm, I'm not up to date on those. Part no. of the training has got to be knowing when to to bob up and bob down at the appropriate times in sync with your, your fellow dancers. So if you're going to move parts of the dragon, you're going to get that all out of sync, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. And I think the dragon itself, obviously, this rule changes to do with, you know, what sort of supplements the dragon can take. You're not allowed to, not allowed to yeah. take steroids anymore. We all know the scandals that happen there for those super dragons. I'd like to see the, uh, I'd like to hear about the behind the curtain aspects of professional dragon dancing, you know, the stuff you don't really hear about, you know, like what it's like. It is interesting though, Sam. I mean, like, you know, what, what, what is it like when, you know, for a, for the life of a professional dragon dance, like, you know, when, the, when they get into their 84 Corolla on the way home and, and go past the drive through and pick up a, a happy meal, they don't upsize, they can't afford that shit. Um, you know, like what, what's it really like? You know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, pe- people know about all the glamour, people know about the women and the, all that stuff. Like they know about that, but what, what's the life of dragon dancer like? You can't just be, Partying and training all the time, you know. Eighty-four Corolla. That's um. That's uh, stick it to a man. That's guy in the head part of the suit type uh, type car weight there, Rand. Yeah, yeah. You know, no guy in the yeah. mid body's getting an eighty-four Corolla. You know, what he's I'm got the Datsun. <laughs> and the Datsun has the different coloured panels because because he got the door. The door was ruined, but he couldn't get a new one. He got one from the wreckers. Remember that was a classic Australian trope: the Datsun with the wrong colour bonnet. Or just one door yeah. that's, that's brown and the rest of the car is orange. Classic yeah. stuff. We're really going out of our way to encourage people to mail in, aren't we? Cammy's been excoriated. Yeah, we probably should move on. We do appreciate it, Cam. And uh, we, yeah, we do appreciate it. Don't, don't give up on the you letter wrote right. such a long email and you skimmed over 95% of it. <laughs> it was, there was 7,000 words. What am I supposed to do? Dave read the first two pages. There has to be one, surely, apart from favourite footballer and which rules should change, What there has to be another topic in there we can dissect a little bit for him, surely. Well, I mean, they're, they're big topics. Like, like, what are you going to do about the Middle East? Cashmere. <laughs> how do you solve, how do you solve the me, Middle East problem? I don't know, Cam. Please tell uh... me there's genuinely something about a two-state solution in there. <laughs> Is China heading down a worrying path? It could be the last uh... show if you're going to too much. You know, do we need to reform the electoral college? Yeah. Indian border disputes, regional ethnic minorities being imprisoned. Is China heading down a worrying path? Well, fuck, I don't know. You're Cam, making I, that up, Dave. No, I'm not. Yeah, that, that I is. Don't, I don't is come that... to the Dick and Ham show for that answer. Is you China know? heading down a Listen to me. Is is there a chance he's been listening to a whole other show? Because this doesn't sound like yeah. it's aligned he's to been what listening we to get. something on the BBC, and he somehow thought it was us. It wires cross. He'd been listening to Dick Hames because that's what yeah. Google told him to listen to, and that's what came back. Well, no, far out. So anyway, send your emails to dickandhamshow at gmail dot com. It's yeah. not. I know it's Mon- I know we're taping yeah. this on a Monday night, but this isn't Q and A. What the fuck is happening? Look, a letter is a letter, and we do appreciate it. So thank, thank you, Cam. And uh, on the subject of Dick Hames, good news uh, this week. 
that the Dick Hames reign of terror is over. Now, when you ask Google to play the Dick and Ham show, it actually will play our show. So, Andrew, I appreciate you speaking to Bezos, who spoke to uh, Larry Page, who spoke to Sundar Pichai, who got it back on. So I appreciate you using your clout um, to get it back on there because it's on there. So that's great news for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yep. Really is. Uh, so in terms of depression levels, is is now the right time to talk about the lockdown or should I, is that just going to kill everyone's happiness from the Cami email? Should we come back to that? There's no happiness anyway, so go whenever you want. Well, I mean, I can guess... you go down from that email or have we reached bottom? I don't, I don't even want to ask. I, I mean, the question is, how's it going? But I almost don't dare ask. Is there, is there an answer to that? It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's there's nothing good to say. We've covered it so many times and it gets worse each week. So maybe we skip over it for a week. Maybe by the next yeah. taping, there you know there might be something positive on the horizon. Who knows? Yeah, let's hope for that. I, I believe some some of the metrics are becoming more positive. Obviously, the death metric, which is a rather crucial one, is going up. <laughs> Sam, Sam liked that one. That's really, that really got him. Don't laugh about that. It's a key metric. You gotta admit, you gotta admit. Prove me wrong. It it, it is. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, it's Monday morning, guys. Where are we at on death today? Yeah, are we good. Death's up. Mm-hmm. Dave, one interesting thing because we're in a uh, state of semi-martial law here. If you go outside your house, this is kind of interesting side piece. If you go outside your house at like ten or whatever, eleven at night, it's just incredibly bizarrely like absolutely completely silent because there's there's basically 90 percent less traffic on the road or whatever so like i can hear the eastern from mine there's almost no cars even on the uh on the eastern freeway like it's really strange so that's that's kind of cool i suppose in terms of a one-off thing how's it being enforced is it literally like you get stopped and like why aren't you at your house if you're outside i don't know i haven't left after eight but i'm there's i imagine yeah, I imagine if you're on the road, you'd, you'd get pulled over. I don't know how many people are driving around after eight because there's people with exemptions, but um, I presume not many. I certainly haven't. The penalties are pretty heavy, so I think everyone's obeying it. Three grand think, or something, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I think it's three grand plus you're forced to read one of Forbes' emails. So everyone's pretty, pretty obedient. It's draconian. Gets to that one. Cruel and unusual punishment. People have taken it to the Hague. Yeah. <laughs> It's a human it's a human it's a human rights issue now. Warcraft's sure. at the Hague. I've been to the Hague. It's not a bad place. It's uh yeah, it's not bad. Got a very imposing name. Yeah, yeah, you could meet Dan there in a couple of weeks. Yeah, some people are saying that, aren't they? It'd be uh, it'd be put up for some sort of war crimes. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't know where that's going. Just move on. Yeah, it's, hot uh, topic. Hot, hot topic. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll throw out a neutral one because I've got a treat, but I, I won't blow that now. I'm going to bring that out next. So first thing I wanted to quickly say was on the subject of TV series and shows, uh, instead of just talking about the things we're watching this week, which I've, I've got one I want to talk about, but did anybody see every now and then you get uh, one of these sort of memorabilia companies that's legitimately connected to studios who do an auction of props from films or or from series. There's one now that has some really interesting stuff in it. You could buy the Maverick helmet from Top Gun with the with the stripes, mm. with the name. You could buy yep. a whole bunch of shit from Jurassic Park, ranging from the interesting but useless, like some a Velociraptor foot that you can control mechanically because that's how they did it in the film. Like, 
I don't really want to spend 10 grand on that. I know it's the actual foot from the film, but what the fuck are you going to do with it? But you can also buy a Velociraptor cage, Andrew, the one from the film. 10 grand could be yours. What are you going That's... to put in that cage? Well, this is, this is why I brought it up. I mean, what, what would you buy? Can't send the kids to childcare right now, so. Oh, that's true. You put Don in there after a couple of drinks. <laughs> <laughs> but if you could buy anything from a film, what would it be? Like, there's there's a couple of Star Wars bits. There's a there's a George Lucas Star Wars script from back when it was called Luke Starkiller and the Adventures of Jar Jar Binks or whatever the fuck it was called originally. But like hand, hand types. <laughs> That was a, he was called Luke Starkiller, wasn't he? I think he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is which is quintessential George Lucas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wonder who the person was who just changed him like twenty degrees on a couple of those key things, so that so that it wasn't a shit film. Someone must have. Uh, I wonder how that happened. But what would you so, buy, if you could buy anything from a film or a series to own? What would you buy? I would get Indiana Jones's hat. Yeah, it's a big one. His whip was That's in a, one, one of these auctions recently. Was it? Yeah. You got a price on that? I don't know. Well, you're the you're the live researcher, Andrew. I, 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 oh, was, I thought you might, you might have it. But, no, the whip the whip came out about a year ago. There, there was one Indiana Jones thing coming up. You know, the sort of the amulet that they, they put on the wall in the pyramid and then the sun shines through it and it illuminates oh, yeah. something. Yeah. That thing. You could buy that thing. That's pretty Gee. cool. The hoverboard from Back to the Future 2. That'd be on my list, I reckon. Yeah, that, that would be something. That really would be something. Oh, what about what about Marty McFly's uh, full drive from Back to the Future One and Two? The truck, which is which hasn't aged, hasn't aged. Still looks good. Has that got credit in the Andrew in the Andrew Latham Lawrence Four Wheel Drive Enthusiast Club, Andrew? Oh, look, it was more of a show piece than a real workhorse. Don't be a dick about it. Come does on, that answer, does that answer your question? <laughs> but what was it? It was like a Hilux. Oh, I don't know. I it was a Hilux crew cab with yellow lights on it, wasn't it? Black one. Yeah, it definitely had the KC highlighters, um, which are a known brand in that in that world. Uh, I don't recall the the actual brand of the vehicle, which is uh, which is awful. Uh, update on the uh, the whip: hundred forty thousand, hundred forty thousand quid. Oh shit. Someone just paid uh, six million bucks for the Cobain guitar from the MTV Unplugged special. Six million. Ironically, Jesus. during which he complained about he wanted to buy a, another guitar off this uh, lead belly, and he was lead complaining belly. it was going to be half a million bucks. Little did he know, his own guitar itself is six million. Twenty-five years later, Dave, David, he was trying to buy off David Geffen, I think, from memory. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. There's a couple of uh, fundraising-related extended cuts of that. Like, that's one of those albums you heard so many times that you remember the banter in between songs. But uh, yes, there's, there's, there's more to it. Like, the, the, if you listen now to one of those songs, there's like another two or three minutes of banter in between. It's mainly like Chris Novoselic and the other randoms who are up, up there yeah. playing the, you know, the cello or whatever. But it's weird when you, you're so familiar with a song and then suddenly it's, there's all this extra stuff to it. Yeah, I've I've discovered that on YouTube, right? Is that what you saw that? Yeah, like, yeah, all that yeah. Dis- And um, one of the other dudes who's playing in that show, like the second guitar, the second, I guess, rhythm guitarist, is a guy called Pat Schmier, which I presume is a is a name that he came up with himself. The who's guy now from in Melbourne. Foo Fighters. It's in the Foo Fighters now, yeah. Pat Schmier. Yeah, he played on stage. He was sort of a fourth member of the band for quite a while, I think. Yeah, he was in and out. Yeah, and then in Foo Fighters, so he's played in some big bands. Does he still go by that name or has he reverted yes. back to it? Really? Okay. His real name's Gary Smear. 
Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> pet, pet, fetch, fetch me a sounds like a guy that might mail in next week with some tips on blackjack. Dave. Yeah. <laughs> or his brother, <laughs> Jack Schmier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Ranch, why would you bring in a second? So they're playing the same songs they play on the albums but they're bringing another guitarist. Is that to take the pressure off the lead guitarist so he can sing? I mean, they're not difficult parts. Why would Nevada bring in an extra guy and they're playing those songs live? Um, look, I'm <clears throat> I'm not as familiar with a lot of their songs as you guys are, but I would imagine it's probably either um, to do with the specific arrangement for them playing it acoustically or it is to they be able to... They did it for all versions of- though, not, not just the acoustic ones. They did it on all their, right. on all their concerts. Well, 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 the other one would be it's um it's probably just so they can keep, for instance, like you know, like the the rhythm guitar track going whilst the lead's getting played over the top or whatever. You know, like there's not like not not every you know song that a three piece would record actually only has three people playing an instrument at any given time. Like there'd be like you know a guitar track and then like another guitar track over the top or two rhythm guitars playing or whatever. So um, you know, Nirvana's music probably isn't necessarily that kind of you know intricate and and, and complex I, I don't think but i would imagine it's probably for that if it, and if it's not for that it's probably just to have a nice big full sound playing live there's some weird stuff on that show though dave they might have i've got a feeling that they were kind of browbeaten into doing that because they weren't really into doing that sort of thing because there are a couple of tracks you would have seen this too if you've seen the youtube version which is the only reason i know this where they where cobain basically stops playing and the and two like of their sort of mates from Seattle, I think, just come on the meat puppets and play like the guitar. Like two of them come on and play guitar on two of the songs, and he just doesn't play guitar at all. He just sings it, which is kind of weird, right? It made me think that they were just sort of taking the piss and fulfilling their contractual obligations, kind of thing, which would be their style at the time. Yeah, they possibly were. There's a there's a long history of bands taking the piss when they get famous. And there's a classic Motorhead clip where they somehow got onto Top of the Pops which is not the sort of thing that, that <laughs> Moni would have And they were told they have to lip sync to like Ace of fucking Spades. So they deliberately played it like completely like out of time. And so you could tell that they weren't lip syncing just to point out the fact that it was dumb that you had to lip sync. Huh. But uh, sometimes it's cool. Sometimes it's kind of. That's big. excellent. Yeah. yeah it's that. a lot like the Beastie Boys playing Sabotage on Dave Letterman. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, it goes pretty heavy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that it, it does. The uh, uh, Mega Death Row and Ledman once that was awkward because Dave just didn't understand what to really do with that. And then, yeah, yeah. Hey, Ranch Dave Mustaine yeah. played on a, on an Ice T track. The Ice T podcast had so much about metal. Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, Dave Mustaine played on a solo, and Dave just doesn't do that." But we we're really lucky we got him. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> Ice T has uh, impeccable metal pedigree. It's it's a it's worth a listen. Ice T on Mark Maron. Yeah, yeah on the Mark Maron pod with Ice T is. I, I don't. Know, I like. I liked Ice T when I was a kid, and and I find his voice funny. So I, I uh, yeah. and and, he, and he's funny on Twitter. So I, I'm biased, but I thought it was a good listen. What's his Twitter handle again? It's I, I can't remember what it is, but it's excellent. A final level. Better. Yeah, final level. Final <laughs> hey, level. Why that? Final level. It's like the final <laughs> level of a video game or something. Couldn't go with Ice T. He's got a pretty strong brand in his name, but not final level. I'm going with that. It's a bit like Potstat, but but not because it's successful. <laughs> and and just as an aside, the uh, the Ice T's dog sketch off Key and Peel is a fucking all time top oh, ten. Oh yeah, yeah, it is. Of it all is time. Good. We've adopted a rescue animal, but it was Ice T's dog, and it just talks like him, <laughs> and it's got a lot of fucking sass. It's so good. 
I, for 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 a sketch show format, when when sketch show formats are bad most of the time, I haven't watched enough of their stuff to know how hit and miss it is. But gee, the clips I see that are the well known ones that people think are funny, gee, they are funny. Like that aerobics mm, one yeah. was good. The writers' room one for um, Gremlins two, which is my one of my personal favourites. Like they're very good. What about the uh, what, what about the the one where the teachers come from the inner city school of hard knocks and he keeps getting <laughs> everyone's name wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A A A Arrow. Jacqueline, where Jacqueline at? It's like Jacqueline, and he just gets so angry at her. Now, on the subject of TV, has anyone got new series that they're on? No, tonight uh, I'm looking forward to uh, watching the stunning conclusion of Perry Mason uh, this evening after the taping. So I'll, uh, I'll be, be happy to update you on that afterwards. Mm. Although I know you're following that one along as well, aren't you, David? Yeah, love it. It's very good. Yep. I've been watching Dark, um, which is that uh, yes. German German show on Netflix that I've, I've kind of crapped onto you guys about a lot. And um, I know that at least one person who writes very long emails into this show uh, is also watching it. And um, it's it's remarkably good. It is by far the most fucking complex thing I've ever watched in my entire life. And season one is is really great. Season two is also really great, but it just it really doubles down on, on the complexity. And so far, I don't know if anyone else, Andrew, maybe might be watching it. I'm watching season three, and I've just got no fucking idea what's going on. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I just like in a good way or in a bad way. Uh look in a in a in a either it's really complex and it's too complex and therefore it sucks way, or it's a I'm really stupid and I I shouldn't be watching this anymore because I'm too dumb to watch it, or a it's meant to be complex. You're not meant to really kind of be fully grasping it right now, but it'll all come together in the end type way. I really hope it's the third because it's been an amazing show so far, but like it's, it's taking me like two hours to watch one 40 minute episode because I keep having to pause it and trying to work out what the fuck's going on. Um, so anyway, it's really good. It's really good though. There's a fourth option, which is that it doesn't pull everything together. It just finishes with a bunch of answer questions like, you know, lost, which, just pissed everybody off because it was so good, but never answered any fucking questions. Um, are you watching? Are, are you watching season three of Dark, Stephen? I haven't started it yet. No, no. Right. Strap yourself in. I'm poised. I'm poised. It's it, it is it is remarkably good. It really is. But oh my god, it is it's it's intense. That's for sure. On on a lighter uh, subject note, has anyone watched uh, Indian matchmaking? No. I've seen it advertised. I have not caught that one. It's taken uh, this part of the world by storm. It's it's uh, number one streaming in Norway and in a bunch of other countries. It's um it, it's controversial. It's like it brings out quite a few problematic themes um, relating to you know race. Like they casually ask the matchmaker, you know, I want someone who's who's light. I want so-. they've got all these little codes for I want someone a particular way. But I don't really weigh into the controversial part of Indian domestic, you know politics and racism and that part's not for me but the thing that's that's nice about it and this is going to sound weird but i quite like i quite like the indian vocabulary like well-educated indian people speaking english have a really unusual vocabulary because it's that kind of old-fashioned old world english that people don't really use anymore so it's it's i'm not talking about the accent or how they sound but the words that they use and the way they construct sentences are quite unusual like an old english professor or something has anybody ever noticed that that way of speaking no i don't know there's, there's something i enjoy about about uh, the kind of the, the the cadence and the vocab and the way some of these people speak 
I um, I haven't seen the show, but I think I kind of think I know what you're talking about there. And but I've I've heard that there is that there's a villain on that show who is just an an insane all time like reality TV type villain. Dave, is that is that true? Uh, look, there's there's quite a few unlikable. I think they definitely doubled down on a couple of unlikable characters so that you could do the whole "I told you so, this is why you're not married" routine. Like there's a woman who who who's extraordinarily picky. There's other people who who you know are just sort of spoiled rich kids, but they they don't quite throw them under the bus and, and the, the characters end up, you know, not to ruin it or anything, but they do sort of soften and, and, and develop. And the, the woman who's the matchmaker is actually really cool. She's this old lady who's, who's got a good heart and she sort of does read people really well. So it's, um, I recommend it as something completely different if, uh, if you want a, a change of pace. Mm. I've, um, I've heard it's actually pretty good. Hey, did, uh, did you guys see this, this thread on Twitter? It might've been last week where people had to write in and kind of turn in their favorite movie into a, Am I the asshole post? Did you guys see this? Yes. So there's this, it might be a, a thread on Reddit or something like that, but it's a, it's like a, a forum where, you know, people can kind of go and kind of write up usually a, a, a real story, like a, a, a personal story about them and seek feedback on whether they're the problem. And it's called, am I the asshole question mark, right? And so this person on Twitter put out this challenge to have people write their favorite movie in the form of an, am I the asshole post? So I thought I'd read a couple for you. So I'll start off with an easy one. Uh, I, male, 60 plus, a doctor, hang out with a male high school kid regularly and then ask him to do me a favour in the middle of the night before meeting me in a parking lot. We get shot at by Libyans and then later we leave his girlfriend in an alley before dropping her off later at the wrong house. Am I the asshole? <laughs> <laughs> nice. You got some more? That's Rocky Five, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, Conan yeah, the, the kid was Durago, yeah. But I love this one. I killed a lot of people at my wife's office Christmas party during a very hostile takeover they were going through. Right after we had a fight over whether her moving to the moving to LA with the kids and leaving me in New York. Am I the asshole? <laughs> so we're gonna um, we're gonna we're gonna request the mailbag listeners like mail in um, examples that we can read out. Yeah. That'd be an idea. Yes. Yes. This may be beyond our uh, our audience. Do it, do it, Cammy, and not a whole script or anything, mate. Just just a couple of short sentences. Yeah. Nothing about red dwarf. Red dwarf. Open, open daylight <laughs> in the inner jungle. <laughs> Camera pans to a man. He's sharpening an axe. Yeah, there's sweat beads on his forehead as he sharpens an axe. Not a metaphor, but it's a metaphor for his sexuality. Is a man oh, still yeah. a man or has he become the dragon he so desperately wants to dance inside? <laughs> Ranch, you got any more? Yeah, yeah, one more. I, male, 40-something, was let out of jail on a technicality and the parents of the children I murdered burnt me to death without due process. So I haunt their surviving children in their dreams and murder them for revenge. Am I the asshole? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, know the, I don't know the Nightmare on Elm Street story that well. Why did he, how did he get burnt? They burnt him. Did they? The parents did. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The parents um, burnt him. It's in the tweet, like, Dave. Yeah, in the boiler room or something, I think. Somewhere on fucking Elm Street, I guess. But yeah, it's been a long time since I've started. I saw like the first seven minutes of that when I was a kid and was smart enough even at like seven to be like, yeah, I am not watching this. And then I made one more attempt at, uh, at horror, at the horror genre with Andrew and Danella at the movie The Ring. And that was the last movie of that nature that I've seen or will ever see again. <laughs> 
Yeah, the, on, ring, on the, the ring was a rough. Side. The ring was a rough watch. The ring was horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of the same, but I remember Nightmare on Elm Street was the first, like you know, proper horror movie I saw when I was a kid. My brother had a a taped VHS copy of it, and Mum and Dad, I think, were out for dinner or something, so we watched it. And I was way too young to watch this. Like I was, I was absolutely bloody petrified. And as a result, I'm a bit like you. I, I'll watch a, a horror movie if it's meant to be really, like, really, really good, but I don't, I don't ever basically enjoy it, like, at all. I get, I get nothing from it. Everyone thought Get Out was good. That might be the one I make the exception for. Yeah. I wouldn't call that as, like, it, it's not, like, it's not as much of a horror movie as, as kind of other things. It, it is it it's more is, of a psychological thriller, really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, thriller's like a, different. I mean, I, I don't watch horror much, but I, I like, you know, I enjoy watching Cape Fear, even though I don't enjoy it because you go through it going, no, don't, don't go there. You know, you, you want to tell them not to do that thing they're about to do. But Don't go to the Cape. It's full of fear. Don't stand on that rake. <laughs> <laughs> Let's drive through a field of cactuses. Yeah. <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, no, those are excellent, Ranch. Keep them coming. And if anyone else has one, just send them a dick and ham show at Gmail. I've got two TV treats. Maybe you guys can choose which one you want the most. Option A, I've tracked down a highlights clip of The Rebel Billionaire, Richard Branson, season one highlights for us to, for us to watch and deconstruct. In business. Option B, <laughs> option B, just to go back to our musical thing, I've, um, I've been laughing recently about bad cover versions of songs and i found one that i think is worth showing and going through so would you rather watch that i won't tell you who it is would you rather watch that or, or go through rebel billionaire oh fuck i feel like rebel billionaire we've talked about a lot we've even talked about it on the pod before, songs. haven't we haven't we cover yeah songs. i reckon go to the song it's brand new it's fresh that's what the the that's what the listener is demanding. All right, we've got to come back to Rebel. It's Billionaire. probably something that's well suited to like you know the audio format as well because it's music. Plus, there's a de- yeah, there's a there's a decent chance in in the length of Cammy's email, he's probably written a question about this very thing we're about to watch anyway. Like, all right, well, it covers all topics. The, the Branson yeah. the Branson one does have some extraordinary stuff in it, so let's let's come back to it. It's um I, I'd never seen the show and I watched this highlights clip and I was shocked that you guys described it in milder terms than what the reality of it really was. So all right, cover versions. There's obviously lots of bad ones, like we all know that. One controversial one, Andrew, given there's a lot of big fans, Chris Cornell. Chris Cornell's Billy Jean by Michael Jackson cover, being an example of a great artist doing a cover that was not good. Yep. It was not the right choice. It's just his voice and that song and the way he went for it was just was just bad. I think I've got one that's much better, and it's better because it's funny. Ranch, who's the most famous person to ever come out of Wales, the country of Wales? I've got no idea. Tom Jones? Tom Jones. That's correct. Oh, yeah, good one. Yeah. And before one. we start, Sam, have you got a Tom Jones story about his house or the house that he yeah, we built? Yeah, we slept together once. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other story. Oh, um, uh, yeah, me and um, Zeb and I were driving around um, Beverly Hills in a really shit Mustang. I was going to say Cadillac, in a really shit Mustang. And we drove past and opened for inspection uh, and decided that we would fake interest in this Beverly Hills house in order to get a tour of the house. Um, And so telling them that my father was like a private equity guy or something vague so they couldn't Google him. Uh, we got a tour of the house uh, with this guy in the house, which was pretty flash. And it turned out 
that the house was currently Nick Cage's house. So I literally stood in Nick Cage's bathroom. But after opening what appeared to be a closet and revealed a secret staircase and then walking me up the staircase to a hidden other room, they revealed that this is when Tom Jones had owned the house before Nick Cage where he used to take women up into this room. They had all the furniture that was in the room built up there because they couldn't get it up the staircase. And then he also said that prior to that, it was Dean Martin's house originally. So, uh, yeah, we got to walk through this, uh, this house. Why did Tom Jones need to have a secret room? I, I, don't, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe because his wife was in the house when he took the women in there. I, I'm not even sure. I don't know. Can't but, be for um, a good reason. Yeah, no, it wouldn't have been for a good reason. I thought it might have been a cigar room or something. Like, Oh, I think it was by the sounds the of guy, things. Um, Ooh, yeah. yeah, it was of sorts. The, um, the bit of the best bit of the end was when I'm, I'm playing it low-key because I'm all the time thinking that I'm, I'm about to get pistol with by the security guy at the front. But... Um, the guy, I said, just, uh, just out of interest, just want to get an idea of the market, you know, for the old man. Uh, how much are we looking for for this house? And he says, look, market's a little flat. To be honest, I could probably t- talk the owner into, into probably doing it for 29. So it was, that was 29 million. But first he dropped in the fact that he goes, look, I've sold a lot of houses in this street and this one represents a lot of value. And, and he dropped a couple of names. And I've always remember one, he goes, I sold Rick. I mean, sorry, Rick Hilton's house up the road for 58. <laughs> Rick. <laughs> Rick. Not, not Rick Flair. Not Rick Flair. No, not Rick, Rick Flair. Not, not uh, Ricky Olerenshaw. Rick Hilton. <laughs> but he, it's not like he was sure. Like, Rick isn't just that everyone knows who no, Rick is. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was more that it was just, it was more the, the amount of money was funny and also just. It was obviously just name dropping rich people that people in LA know, I suppose. But yeah, and also just this. And he the wanted to know. He be- wanted you to know that you know he was on first name basis with Rick. You know, this guy had great hair. He had to then come back and clarify that it was actually Rick Hilton. So Nick, Nick Cage's uh, one of the bathrooms had been converted to an extra closet for his wife, and then there was just this cupboard that was open, and uh, there was there was his, and it was just like like he'd bought every single color of the same leather jacket so there was just like <laughs> like 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 25 leather jackets but they went from like it was like a sort of a, a full color swatch so i went from like tan through to sand through to mud through to dark mud through to light chocolate through to light black through to gray through to like just the whole way just in like perfect order it's incredible incredible wealth you never see anything like it I remember you telling me about when you did this and and you described if if I recall that the interior decorating style was like was like if a 12 year old was given 10 million dollars and could buy anything they wanted on eBay. Yeah, you walk, yeah, you walk along and like there are a few pictures taken off the wall where like I was trying to join the dots on who it was and I'd worked out by the end that I thought it was Nicolas Cage and then I looked it up afterwards that it was but yeah there was like um the walls were cut. It's just shit everywhere. Just shit everywhere, right? Like a giant crystal thing that was three metres tall. And, and then on the wall were like um, what appeared to be, and I'm sure were real, like like in a frame, the copy of like the first edition of like Superman comic or whatever. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. That's probably worth like 880,000 US or so. And just stuff. It's just what, it's what would happen if you just had absolutely unimaginable amounts of money to buy anything you ever saw you know but the house actually indiana jones's whip is up in tom jones's fucking room couldn't afford the whip 
Tom Jones is root fucking shit. <laughs> root shit. The, the, the yeah. one week when we need a, a lawyer on here to, to give us the definition of slander. The camper just be chuckling. He'd just be he'd be shaking his head and chuckling right now. <laughs> we're gonna be on we're gonna be on TMZ next week if we're not careful. Vicar dickheads on Aussie podcast take swipe at Hollywood hero. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know. Did the agent ever follow you up? Did you have to give your details? Because you're the only people there, right? Like it's not like you're wasting time. They could practice their shtick, and there was nothing. No one else my there. Num- my phone yeah. number is o four. Yeah, they, uh, they, yeah I'm, I'm trying to remember. They escorted us through the house and with this kid. This is why I was honestly nervous. I kept the lies to a minute. I kept the lies very simple, which was a key part of it. So I wasn't like, I'm in the backstreet boys, which I've got the looks for that. But um, I, I was just like, oh, nondescript banker, you're very vague. But um, I still was worried that I was going to show up and they would have called the police. I just, I was worried there was going to be some implication to my lies. But there wasn't, and I ended up buying the house. I've been there ten years. It's one of the best decisions <laughs> I've ever made. So, <laughs> I uh, use the root room all the time. The root <laughs> shack, which I'm sure is what Tom Jones called it.